You're tuning in to the Welcome to Motherhood podcast, the series that helps to make motherhood easier, one podcast at a time. I'm your host, Natasha Suttle, mum of four, midwife, educator, terrible housewife, and huge advocate for ditching the mum guilt. Find advice for all your motherhood questions from birth onwards. So here we go, let's get into it. Today, I am interviewing someone who is quite possibly one of my motherhood idols at the moment. I am talking to the amazing Estelle Kieber. For those of you who haven't heard of her, I'm going to try and sum up her amazingness in a few sentences. Estelle is a mother of two. One of the founders of the Mums and Business Association is pretty much known as the Instagram queen as far as training goes. And she also puts time into training other business owners and other mums in business how to find success on their own. Estelle and her business partner, who is also her sister, have held networking events in over 150 locations around the world, have authored multiple books, and also have a number one bestseller. Oh my gosh, I am super excited to be speaking to this powerhouse woman today. Firstly, Estelle, thank you so much for chatting to me today. You are so welcome, Natasha. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm very, very excited. So first things first, I'm going to dive straight on into it. What would you describe as your biggest challenge in your motherhood journey? Oh, I think probably being a single mum has been the hardest thing for me because of the isolation and feeling so alone. So I think that's probably one of my hardest struggles. And I think as any parent will know, just going through parenthood or motherhood, you never know whether you're making the right decisions. Um, we're always second guessing ourselves. Are we doing the right thing? Are we being too harsh? Are we being too soft? So being a single mum was really difficult because I didn't have anybody else there to support me in making those choices. So it's kind of a lot of responsibility. Um, it goes from you know being shared across both parents to being solely in my hands. So that was really, really difficult. But, you know, we've come out the other side. I'm now settled down with a really nice guy. Shout out to Chris. He's amazing. <laughs> and we're getting married next year. My journey of being a single mom is now over. But boy, was it difficult to go through. Oh, I can imagine. And it's just that, not just the physical load and the organizing, but also that mental load that you would have been juggling everything mentally that needed to be done, as well as physically as well. So I can imagine that would have been very, very difficult for you, especially with the two kids. Um, I know that that we have spoken to with regards to the fact that you also, as well as all of that juggle you spoke of, you also had a bit of a um, a time with having some postnatal depression. And I would really like to know a little bit more than with your journey with postnatal depression and how did you figure out that that was what was going on for you? Okay, so I had a history of mental health issues going right back into my teens. I'd been prescribed different medications to help. I'd had various therapies and it was something that I realized that was going to probably be a part of my life forever. Um, I have a history of mental health issues within my family. So it was something that I knew I had and that I needed to kind of learn to manage because it was never going to go away. So it was a case of learning to manage it when it did happen. So I had a bit of an insight when I had my second son, Obi, um, going through my pregnancy was really difficult. My first pregnancy with Jed was very easy and textbook. And in between having Jed and becoming pregnant with Obi, I'd suffered 
multiple miscarriages. I'd had an ectopic pregnancy where I came very close to losing my life. I had to have one of my ovaries removed. So along with the fact that I was suffering from mental health issues anyway, at the time I, I wasn't in any sort of dark place. So as the, the feeling started to grow again, that was when I realized that something wasn't right. But it was very different this time because I'd recognized before um, the sort of symptoms that would come with my depression. And with me being pregnant at the time, a lot of people were putting my anxieties down to the fact that I was becoming a parent for the second time and yeah. that this is going to change, you know, the dynamics within the family. And people just kept saying, you know, everything's fine. It's perfectly normal to feel like this. Whereas I actually knew inside that something was not right. This was not how I was meant to feel as a mum. I knew how I'd felt when I was pregnant with my first son. And so I felt that people were just not listening. And this goes for family members, medical professionals. Nobody seemed to put the links together and realise that with my history of mental health difficulties and then going through everything that I went through in, you know, having so many miscarriages and all of the medical aspects of what had happened, nobody seemed to put the two together and realise that I was actually really high risk of having another episode because of all these contributing factors as well as the history. So it was sort of about the middle of my pregnancy with Obi that I really started to feel the symptoms of my depression again. And I had a really traumatic birth with him and it just continued for probably around about a year and a half after I had Obi. And it, it wasn't until after I had him that medical professionals started to listen a little bit more and then sort mm -hmm. of started saying well you know this could be your depression kicking in when I was like well thanks for acknowledging the fact of something I've been telling you for the yeah. last year. I've been putting my hand up and saying and waving the flag for so long and no one no one's been listening or paying attention I guess that I mean that's it's so important that we have yeah these open conversations and I think we live in this world these days where the whole village philosophy of having all these people around us having children friends and family is just a changing environment and there's less and less people around us and I feel that people don't open up with these conversations as much as they should and then people feel alone and think that no one else has gone through and really a sister or a friend or an auntie or a workmate someone's probably been in the same position but without talking about it and making it okay we're not getting that support that women need, especially new mums as well. So I know you mentioned for you that you kind of were raising the flag knowing that it, something wasn't right. Do you remember if there was anything particular that made you really think, yep, this is postnatal depression? Like, you know, a little, a little something. I know I've talked to people before and they've talked about they woke up one morning and they didn't want to get out of bed and they knew right then and there that this is what it was. Do you remember anything like that? I remember feeling detachment during my pregnancy. Yeah. That was a first warning sign for me. And again, I didn't know at the time. I just knew that something didn't feel right. Yeah. And I knew how I'd felt in my first pregnancy, very excited and couldn't wait for the labor and to have my son. And with my second pregnancy with Obi, it was very different. I felt very overwhelmed by everything. I didn't feel the connection that so many people put such a stress on and this is another huge thing because I felt so guilty afterwards and it's still even now it's I feel that I missed something because there's so much pressure put on mums 
for when your baby is born, you're going to feel this immense rush of love and, you know, you're going to feel that this is your whole life, this is what you're meant to do. And it's supposed to come very naturally. And for a lot of people, it does. And like, I'm so glad for those people. But there are those people, there are those women that are going through so many other things, whether it's been a traumatic pregnancy, like I had the miscarriages and the ectopic pregnancy, whether it's a traumatic birth. I think there's so much like hype put on that feeling. So then when you don't get it, for whatever reason that may be, at the time I was like disconnected a little bit, you know, when worrying. I think now looking back, I was probably worried that I wasn't going to have a healthy son after losing so many of the babies and going through what I went through maybe it was you know a protective thing that I was doing thinking I don't want to connect because I don't want to go through that hurt again so when I had him and again that feeling of disconnect you know I'm not saying for one minute I didn't love my son because that love is something that it's there but it was hard for me to connect in the way that I connected with Jet. And oh, I, totally I felt it. so yeah. ashamed. I felt so ashamed to tell anybody because I felt that I was a bad mum. I thought, why is this not happening? What have I done wrong? What should I be doing? And at the time, I was in a really unhealthy relationship as well. So I didn't have that support that I should have had from anywhere, really. So it did take quite a while for me to get the help and support. And I think that's because. I didn't speak as openly as I should have done, but I think that people weren't picking up the signs either. No, and that's the thing. And you were also trying to raise your hand and ask for help. And if people aren't picking up the signs or even the obvious things that you're saying, you probably doubt yourself as well. And you don't know where to turn because the people you're trying to get help from aren't giving it to you. So what do you do next? And I know for, in my work as a midwife, I find that a lot of people that are in that situation and they don't feel that instant bond and we can be talking to them a few weeks later and they say exactly that, that the guilt of not having that instant bond makes them feel worse. And I often yeah. spend a lot of time talking around the fact that the bond will come, you know, that won't be affected. It's not about love. It's not about not loving your child enough. You, if you don't have that instant connection because you do feel a bit detached, once you work through that, that bond will come. But the guilt that mums feel about, you know, that movie star moment with the tears and the hugs and everything, that doesn't always happen. And that's okay. But I, I love what you said about the fact that making that known that that's okay and that that happens. And you're not the only one too. There's lots of mums out there that are exactly the same. Yeah, I think that for me was huge. And like I say, even looking back now, it's taken so long. I touched on this in um, our autobiography, Laid Bare, because I didn't want the whole book to be focused on this, but I wanted people to be aware of the fact that it is okay. You know, I still feel that guilt. I really do. But now I understand why I felt that way. And like that, you've just like said it so well, the fact that, okay, that connection isn't there but the love grows the love is there yeah. the love never never goes away but it's that connection and that's where something it needs to be like intervention needs to happen there and education to other mums and other women they need to be prepared beforehand everybody knows about the baby blues and oh you know your boobs are gonna hurt and you're gonna feel a bit emotional but these are the sort of things that we need to be including in those conversations where you can actually openly speak and say if you do feel like this it's perfectly normal you know I think it's educating people before we actually get to that point and that's what's going to make the difference 
It's, it's funny you say that. I was reading some research the other day because I've got an um, upcoming episode purely based on the baby blues versus postnatal depression and what the difference is between the two. And I was doing some research the other day and there's some studies that have come out of the United States. They've interviewed fathers and mothers and they talked about postnatal depression. And one of the biggest, biggest things that came out of all the research from mums and dads was that they want more antenatal talk about this is what postnatal depression is. Even talk about if it happens, this is how you can, you know, treatment options. So if it happens after the baby's born, they already have that knowledge because they were felt like they didn't know until they were in it and they didn't like that. They wish they knew more. So yeah, that's how the change is going to happen. If it becomes normal beforehand to prepare, like you might prepare for interventions in birth or breastfeeding issues, the fact that postnatal depression is something there and the stats say sometimes between one in six and one in ten mums at the moment the latest research was with regards to how many get postnatal depression and that's probably the only ones that are actually reporting it and seeking help there's probably a lot a lot more underlying that just are dealing with it on their own yeah i definitely agree with that i think the more that it's talked about the more um realistic numbers you're going to start seeing oh absolutely so with your personal depression journey, is there anything that you wish was done differently when you did, like, along, I guess we've already flagged the fact that you wish people had listened to start with, but when it was identified, is there, what do you wish was done differently, whether it's from the doctor or partners or anything? What's one thing that stands out to you? I wish I'd have been given the opportunities to become well again. The, the main thing that I find a lot, and this has been like, you know, my whole life with depression is that the medical system seems to want to just medicate with mm. prescription medication. There are so many other ways. And I'm not saying that prescription medication for any sort of depression is not the way to go. Because if you have a chemical imbalance, you know, there's certainly only like times when only medication is going to help. But alongside that, there's lots of other alternative therapies and things that you could be doing that could improve your mood and these were never discussed with me it was a long time afterwards that other sort of therapies were discussed and it was at that point that I then went to night college to study photography because it was just like a creative outlet it was me away from everyone else just doing me and doing something that I enjoyed and it was that like you know break away and being able to put my emotions out there in a different way that helped me massively so I think if I could change anything it would be the fact that you know people need to be again educated on the fact that there are other ways to manage any sort of depression postnatal prenatal you know there's lots of things out there that you can be trying alongside um, your prescription yeah. meds absolutely and sometimes those alone might help with some mums as well. they might not need the meds initially or they might need the meds and those things as well, but they've got to work hand in hand because you can't just rely on the medication. Like you said, there's other things out there that can get you out of the, the mood. It can increase your mood. It can get you in the place that you can actually move forward and make some groundwork. Yeah. Or just one piece of advice that you would give new mums in a similar position. Reach out and connect, which I know at the time when you're going through this, connecting is the last thing that you want to do yeah. um, you want to lock yourself away and you want to be by yourself but if you don't have a supportive family unit or group of friends um, there's so many groups online now um, you can go onto Facebook you, you would only need to type in you know 
postnatal depression or there would be a group for it. There's lots of other support networks, but I think the most important thing is connect with other people who have gone through this because then you will realize um, that you're not alone and you don't feel that stigma when you're talking to people who have been through the same sort of journey as you are. Oh, I love this. Thank you so much for your honesty and being so open with all this. I think um, if everyone felt more comfortable having these conversations, as we've talked about, it would make it so much easier for mums to seek help and actually know that what they're going through is something that others can relate to. So I think that's such a huge, I think we are making progress. Like 10 years ago, we were probably in a, a worse space as far as people coming out with it. But I feel like we've still got so much more groundwork to make to make it a normal conversation that people feel comfortable having. So now I want to touch on your amazing work that you're doing. And I really want to know, as far as the Mums and Business Association, which is amazing and I'm also a part of, um, what is your biggest achievement with the Mums and Business Association? Oh, my goodness. There's so many. You know, we get asked this so many times. What and I, I, say? Never have, I never, ever have an answer prepared because... There are so many incredible, incredible things that have been happening over the last two and a half years. It's really difficult to point one out. But most recently, I was on the cover of Mama Life magazine. Oh, I did. By the way. Thank you so much. And again, it was just a really hard topic. Um, I was talking about my experience with domestic abuse. And again, it was something that was really difficult to talk about. Again, like this sort of subject, actually... The best thing from Miba is the fact that we now have a platform oh, and yeah. people are going to listen to us. You yeah. know, like two years ago, I'm still the same. You know, I'd have still shouted and supported for postnatal depression charities and domestic violence. But the thing is, nobody really took a lot of notice. I was just one very, very small person in the world. And now with what we've been able to create at Miba, it's incredible because we have now created a platform not only for us, not only do I get to, you know, talk about things that are passionate to like for me and to reach out to people, but the fact that we can bring out our books and then share other people's stories. So people that have been through drug abuse and sexual abuse and all these different things, we can use our platform, like you say, to educate and yeah. connect with other women. So I think probably that's a good one for me to pick, I think, you know, the fact that we are able to use this platform for such an incredible cause and to connect and help with the women. I mean, I know for me, like I am one of the, you know, 51 odd thousand people that are in your Facebook groups. And I do, I watch what you do and listen to what you say. And I'm always amazed at the different things that you guys are engaging in and the conversations. And like I'd read your recent article that they, you know, that was done on you. And exactly like you say, you were just, you was living an ordinary life a few years ago and you didn't have that voice, even though you had the same passion and the same message, but now you have the voice and the platform to actually make a difference. And I think that is like phenomenal like I've loved all of this like it's going to open up so many conversations and I hope people listening also it's just giving them them that confidence and I hope even if one person listens to this and gets on Facebook and looks for a postnatal depression support group then we've done our job and we've changed that one person's life so you are just amazing and I'm going to have to wrap it up I could talk to you all day um the final thing I always do with all my guests on the show as I ask for your top three tips for navigating your way through motherhood. So your top three quick fire tips, what would those be? Okay, so this is literally off the top of my head. Number one, be flexible. Um, don't get too stressed out when things don't go to plan because usually with children, very little goes to plan. <laughs> totally um, true. 
tip number two don't be so hard on yourself i know we all go through these times where we wanting to tear our hair out and we think we're the worst parents in the world but trust me we're not i know i go through the same struggles um i absolutely want to put my head in the microwave at times <laughs> but you know just keep pushing on through because we're all doing the best and tip number three is to make sure that you do something for you take some time out remember who you are because you're not just a mum or a wife or a girlfriend or a friend um you're a person in your own right so never forget that and always you know be true to who you are as a person and as all the other roles you play as well it's funny you say that every guest I have interviewed so far has had in their top three tips a tip relating to taking time out, you know, doing something for yourself, having balance. So, but I think if mums need to hear it because we don't, and I'm guilty of it, we don't. So everyone needs to pay attention, especially to that last tip. <laughs> Thank yes. you so, so much for joining and joining me today and chatting to me. It has been amazing. I hope everyone listening has taken so much from the way from the way of this interview, the way of the amazing stories that you've shared about your own battles with your maternal mental health and just inspiration from the brilliant work that you guys are doing over at Miva. If listeners want to find out more about you or contact you, how would they find you on the social networks? So you can find our main Facebook group by searching Mums in Business Association. We have a website where you can find lots of information about our podcasts, our events, our books. That's www.mumsinbusinessassociation.com. And you can connect with me personally over on Instagram at Estelle Kiba Official. Oh, I bet people are going to be out there now quickly typing those in to hear more of what you have to say. So this is going to wrap up today's interview. Again, thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to jump on my social media networks. It's Welcome to Motherhood podcast. And let me know also how you found today's interview. Again, Estelle, thank you. It has been amazing. Thank you for having me, Natasha. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Welcome to Motherhood podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when each new episode hits the airwaves. I hope you enjoyed it and can walk away with a few key take-home messages to help you make your motherhood journey that little bit easier. See you next time.